Real Life Conversations is a new podcast focusing on biblical discussions for Christian life. Please note that this podcast involves discussions with individuals from different backgrounds, denominations, and different spiritual walks of life. These conversations are not designed to put denominational stakes in the ground. Rather, these conversations are to help others pursue God, grow in understanding of the Bible, walk in step with the Holy Spirit, and experience real life change. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please email reallifeconversations at myelevationcc.org. Well, welcome to episode number two of Real Life Conversations, which is biblical discussions for the Christian life. I'm honored, completely honored and excited to have joining with us today, Pastor Todd Smith, all the way from Dawsonville, Georgia. Pastor Todd, it's awesome to have you. Pastor Bill, I am glad to be here. Cannot wait to have our discussion I'm excited. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us on this podcast. Uh, How how many times are you traveling a a week right now? Is it three to four? Yeah, it depends uh, on the schedule. But last year, 62 different churches. So not only the the responsibility here in Dawsonville at Christ Fellowship, but 62 different places last year. And so we're on pace for that, maybe uh, in the 50 to mid 60s again this year. God's just moving all over the country. There's a hunger for revival. So in this season, we're doing all that we can to uh, share that. Yeah. And you're leading uh, the Christ Fellowship Church in Dawsonville, Georgia. And you are in what week now of revival? This coming Sunday will be 277. And that's over five years, obviously. And the Lord just seems to be increasing and intensifying his presence in our midst. This is awesome. You know what? Let's just pray real quick. Father, we love you. We need you. We know that apart from you, we can do absolutely nothing. And so in these next 30 minutes or so, we choose to abide in you. We choose to remain and to rest in you, Jesus, in your words, Jesus, in the heart of the Father, and the heart of the Holy Ghost. May your presence uh, permeate this podcast and this time. I do pray Colossians 4 over us, that our conversations will always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone. So God, would you bless our listeners, bless Pastor Todd as they continue to lead and be obedient to your word and to the guiding of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, Pastor Todd, would you mind just giving us a little bit of background of how you've gotten to so many weeks of revival in Dawsonville? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to tell the story. And it's a story I think that everyone can relate to, especially pastors that are pastoring, struggling, perhaps plateau churches. And I was in that position as a pastor. I'd have been here probably now at that point, eight years. And our church was having good church services, but yet there wasn't a presentation of the gospel and such where the power of God manifested, if I can put it that way. And I called a fast, 21-day fast for our church because I got I got frustrated. I said, God, there you got to be able to do more than what we're experiencing. And I knew it wasn't his fault. So I knew there had to be a disconnect with me or our leadership or something was missing. And I got a hold of Psalm 27, verse 8 in December of 2017, which says, David said, God, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face will I seek. And 
it dawned on me, uh, Pastor Phil, that at that moment that God had to remind David to recalibrate, to re, you know, to refocus because David may have gotten caught up in his prosperity, his blessing, his life, all the distractions that come with the kingdom, etc. And God said, hey, David, seek my face again. And David responded, oh, Lord, your face will I seek. And I realized that it was at that moment that it occurred to me that I had lost the face of God. I loved him. I uh, served him. I was doing my very best. But in the midst of that, it became about, you know, my needs or getting things from the Lord or even asking him to bless the church. Lord, help us grow. Help us to prosper. Help us to increase. Those things are wonderful, need to be prayed for. But that was my focus. And I realized in the midst that I lost the face of God. And so then I, I said, okay, if I have, I know my congregation may have too. That's when we called the fast. And it was in the middle of that fast, that, or, or even prior to the fast, I said to our congregation, we're going to focus on three things. We're going to pray for these three things during the fast. We're not going to make it about ourselves, our portfolio, our health, or the blessings that we want to, to have. I said, let's focus on the face of God. Let's just seek Him during this fast. The second thing that we said, we want to cry out for his glory. We want to behold his glory in our midst. In John chapter 2, verse 11, I read it and it said, after Jesus turned the water into wine, he manifested his glory. And I said, God, whatever that looked like, whatever you did with Jesus while he was walking the city streets of Jerusalem, would you do it here that we would see your glory and experience it? And then the third thing, we cried out, oh God, would you reveal to us anything that grieves you, offends you, that we've compromised, even negotiated with, you know, justified in our lives, the things, habits, and sins? Would you reveal it? And we will repent. It was in that context, Pastor, that 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 God really turned toward us because we were really authentic, genuine. We we weren't seeking anything but him. That was it. And I think I think he responded to that. And you know, that kind of leads us right into the topic today the call to prayer, mm -hmm. the urgency of prayer, or shall I say from your book title called Unless We Pray. Could you just uh, even share what the role of prayer and your body as people doing those three things you mentioned, what role has that played with seeing God's move uh, on the earth in Dawsonville? Yeah, it's the main ingredient. It's the main thing. It's the foundation of what uh, we do and, and what we pursue. We know that if preaching could have brought revival to our church, our worship could have brought revival to our church, it would have happened earlier because we preach every Sunday, we worship every Sunday, we worship on Wednesday nights, etc. So the preaching was in place, the worship was in place, and, and, and it was adequate, it was good, you know, but the, the ingredient was prayer. You know, the, the, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people are called by my name, will what? Humble themselves and pray. And, and he says, seek my face and turn from sin. He says, I'll hear, I'll heal, I'll forgive. And so I think that we got a hold of that. God, we're going to pray. We're going to humble ourselves and, and we're going to pray. He doesn't say if my people who are called by my name would preach more, worship more, worship longer, or evangelize you know more effectively. Those things are important, key components. But he said, if they'll pray. But in the ne very next verse, 2 Chronicles 7, 15, this is what he says. This blew my mind. He said, my eyes are going to be open and my ears attentive to the prayers made in this place. That's what he's looking for in, in the season. And I think our church captured that early, especially 
when um, we started seeing the presence of God and feeling the presence of God in such dynamic ways. And we pray seven times a week as a congregation. We have five adult prayer meetings. The children pray every Sunday morning and our young people pray on Wednesday nights, but combine seven different prayer meetings. And that's why we see eyes open, lame people walk, deaf ears open, psoriasis melt off of people's bodies, uh, legs grow, cancers disappear, uh, blood pressures get regulated, diabetes get cured. You name it, we've literally seen it. And it's not a result of the preaching or the worship alone, okay? They build faith. They help us. They usher in the presence. But it's the prayer effort. You know, it's the foundation of all that we do. And every substantive move of God on the earth that has ever, ever historical moves, okay, all historical moves can be traced back to an individual or a group of people prior to the outpouring, sought the face of God in prayer, repented of their sins, both personally and and the public uh, sins of people. It all can be traced back to there. And that's what I I do love about your book. You insert so many quotes on prayer and revival all the way back to even the Puritan period. Mm. Quotes from revivalists, quotes from leaders and Billy Graham, and they're all saying the very same thing. You were talking a lot in your book about if my people pray, and that is the most important thing we can do. And you know what, Pastor Todd, we've been as a church. Uh, We've been going through a a five-day fast and trying to do that. Basically, we're saying we're going without this week to seek the Lord out. Mm -hmm. We're going without to seek Him out. And we know that Jeremiah 29, 12 says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will be found by me. And just this morning, we were reading through the book of Acts and seeing how God moved on the shoulders of people's fasting and prayer. And so much so that we read a commentary, Pastor Todd, that said, James, the brother of Jesus, he also had another name known among the people as Old Camel Knees, and it was because he was known for constantly and consistently kneeling in the synagogue and praying on his knees to where his knees were so old, so swollen. It's because Jesus's brother sought after a life of prayer. And I just, I, I do, I'm, I, you are not one to promote your books only to get the resource and the heart of this call upon people's hearts and minds. And so where can people get this book unless we pray? They can get it at kingdomready.tv, kingdomready.tv, or they can get it on Amazon, either one. But you you mentioned something that is so powerful, uh, Pastor, about James and praying the camel knees and, and things like that. But, you know, when Jesus was walking with his disciples, his disciples had the opportunity on multiple occasions to ask him for different things. You know, they they wanted to know who's going to be able to sit by his side, who's the greatest in the kingdom, you know, things of that nature. But really, when it came down to effectiveness, they asked Jesus one question and they said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And they could have said, Lord, could you teach us to cast out devils? Because that's pretty fascinating ministry, you know, to, to watch devils run and scurry in terror. They could have said, Lord, could you teach us to raise the dead? The greatest of all miracles, perhaps, is to take a lifeless body and see the spirit 
spirit return and get up and walk, you know, as if they've never had been dead. They could have asked, Lord, could you teach us to how to gather a crowd to teach like you teach? You know, those things are important. But the one thing that they asked, Lord, would you teach us to pray? They wanted Jesus's prayer life. That's what they wanted. They wanted Jesus's prayer life. Why? Because 17 different occasions in the Gospels, we find that Jesus withdrew himself or that he went into prayer. And when he would come out of prayer, there would be such powerful demonstrations of the power of God. Okay, the kingdom of God manifest. And they knew the secret to Jesus's ministry wasn't his teaching and preaching ability, which was phenomenal, but it was his connection with the Father, isolating, climbing the mountain, going alone, and being with being with his father in prayer. And they said, Lord, we want to learn to pray like you pray. Mm-hmm. And and that and that is, Pastor, being leaders of a church, maybe that's what we hope for, is that people would come up to us, they would, they would see us, the effectiveness of our prayer life, and go, Pastor, would you teach me to pray like you pray? Why do you think prayer gets diluted and pushed on the shelf so easily in people's lives and within churches? Well, that is a a beautiful question. It, I think it's it's multi layered. One is prayer is difficult. Yeah. Okay. And it's usually we all know and we all pray. People pray all over. You know, throughout the day they pray for their safety. They pray for their children's safety. They pray over their meals. But there is prayer, and then there is prayer. Okay. And the type of prayer that that you're talking about and that I write about in my book, unless we pray. It it's hard. It's laborious. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes time. And we we've been raised in a culture where we can just say, all right, let's just say it a couple times and then expect God to do it, or we can just go through the motions and God will make up all the the you know the empty pieces. He'll put them together. But you know, Paul said to the church in Rome, he said he says, strive with me, labor with me in prayer. Prayer involves sweat, okay, energy. And what are people right now? We're we're a people that are exhausted already with our work schedules, family schedules, taking kids to ball practice and getting them to recitals. And so the last thing that we need that we think is another obligation to go pray. And they will say something like this. Well, God knows what I need. And I ask him and God can take care of it. You know, he's in control etc. And so they limit their time in prayer corporately based upon God's going to take care of this. So it physically we're, we're worn out and it requires energy. Okay. And in addition to this, Satan hates it. It was Guy Hubbard that said this, if I quote him correctly, it's in the book that the devil will fight you in prayer to keep you from prayer. Why? Because he knows you go to fetch power against him. You know, if again, I can say it this way, if preaching would have brought revival and awakening to my church or even to America, it would have already been done. Think about it. This past Sunday, 400,000 churches had sermons, 400,000 worship sets, probably 3 million people leading worship in North America alone, not around the world, but just in North America. So if worship and preaching could bring revival, it would have already happened. Now, they're key to ongoing revival. Correct. But the major component that brings revival is prayer and brokenness and contrition before the Lord. And that's and the devil hates this. So he keeps us from praying. Now, there's a story that I, a chapter that I write, wrote about in um, called Satan Can Be Stopped. And in that chapter, I talk about how Jesus mentioned 
that if you're going to go into a person's house and rob their home, you identify the strong man. Okay. So if I'm going to rob your house, um, Pastor Phil, and I'm a thief, and you and your family are there, your wife and your children, obviously, I'm going to try to neutralize you. Yeah. Because, all right, you you pose the biggest opposition to me. Okay. You're, you're my biggest uh, obstacle, right? So if I neutralize you, then I'm more easily able to handle your wife and your children. Your children are nothing but nuisances to me if I'm in your house trying to get That's your right. televisions, your computer, your jewelry, your money, your possessions. And so I want to bind a strong man. So what does the devil do when he walks into a church? Now, we in the church have identified preaching of the gospel as a strong man, or we've said worship's the strong man. It's the most important thing that we do. So we elevate them. We spend a lot of time, a lot of money on our worship and our preaching, and are we, say, making disciples or winning the lost? All of those things are important. But the devil does not walk into the church and say, oh, I got to stop the preaching of the gospel. No, he doesn't even say, I got to stop the worship. The one thing he looks for is the prayer ministry. And if he can neutralize or minimize prayer in the church, then the preaching of the gospel is nothing more than a conversation that we have on Sunday. And the worship is beautiful and it's encouraging, but there's there's no anointing and power on it like it could be. So the devil walks in and says, okay, let's get everybody busy. Let's get them involved in ministries. Let's get them focusing on being fed, being encouraged, okay, ministries, activities, and then only two or three people pray. And we wonder why the devil is able to walk into our churches and take all of our spoils. Our children, our young people, there's no power. And that's what he does. He has bound the strong man of prayer in the churches. And so it's my passion to identify what the devil has done and untie the prayer ministry of churches. Wow. You know, you sum it up for me on page 96 of your book. You say, if we are to see a substantial and sustained move of God in our churches and in our communities, prayer must be at the center of our existence. This will require significant sacrifice and adjustments. Wow. So even specifically of speaking to the listeners on this podcast, some are listeners from Elevation Community Church, some are from other churches and different ministries. If you could speak to those ministries and those people about the power of prayer, and I would even say why we can't afford not to make the shift, what would you say? Well, one... Our survival is at stake. The church's survival is at stake. Paul understood this. Peter understood this. This is why when the church started growing with uh, in the early days, and you know they went from like 120 to 3,000, and then to 5,000 people. You know, then people start putting demands on pastors and leaders. Hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to come and take care of the tables. You got to. Okay. But Peter said this. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give myself to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This is something that, again, that takes effort. It's energy. you got to be disciplined. I'm going to give myself to prayer. And I, I and to this day, when I pray, my mind goes everywhere. Things I've got to do, emails i got to respond to, texts that are coming in, demands of the ministry. But God keeps reminding me, Todd, this is the most important thing that a church does. You see, Pastor, prayer and our people that are listening from you know around the world to this podcast, even at Elevation, and prayer cannot be a ministry of our church. It has to be the, the ministry. ministry of the church. And out of it, out of the ministry of the church, 
now flows an effectiveness with the preaching of the gospel and the worship of the king and the children's ministries, youth ministries and street evangelism. But without corporate prayer, without corporate and being serious about corporate prayer and attending corporate prayer, the church is going to go on like four cylinders. It's still going to go, but it's not what it could be. This is this is why the Apostle Paul said, you know, teach without ceasing or evangelize. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say cast out devils without ceasing or evangelize without ceasing. He said, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Isn't that interesting? And even Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of teaching. No, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And And it's the one time we see him go in an outrage. Go in outrage because, and and people think that because they were selling and things like that. Yeah, that was a part of it. But you have to understand the context of what Jesus did. He walked into his own house and where they were selling was where the Gentiles gathered to encounter God in prayer. Mm. Okay, now think about that. Now they were selling. He wasn't happy about that, but uh, but it was where they were selling. They were doing so many activities in that area where the see the Gentile couldn't walk into that holy of holy. So they had to come from the nations, come to that place who are hungry about God, and this is where they sought God in the place of prayer. And Jesus was upset. He said, guys, you've turned this place of prayer into a market of activity and busyness and business. So he throws them out. And this is when he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You've given them activities and busyness when there should be prayer made in this very spot. So bro, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, There's a revival among the church right now, among the people about corporate prayer. There are 25, over 25 corporate prayer meetings mentioned in the book of Acts. Okay. You got to dig, you got to find them. 10 of them happened before the day of Pentecost. They gathered for 10 separate days to pray. That's what Jesus, he sent them to go pray. He said, go to the upper room and they prayed and they praised. Now, we want Acts 2 power. We want the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on. But we don't want to do what Acts 1 that brought the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. They prayed 10 days and then the Holy Spirit came on that 10th day. Peter gets up to preach. 3,000 people saved. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation. But what do we want to do? We want to preach 10 days and pray one and expect the same result. Then in Acts 3, the Bible says, here's another corporate prayer meeting, prayer meeting number 11. They were on their way to prayer, the Bible says, on the way to prayer, a group, and they encountered the guy at the gate beautiful. Acts chapter 4, after uh, James and John, uh, or Peter and John were released from being questioned, they gathered to a group of people who were in prayer. And it says, and when they prayed, the place was shaken. Yeah. Paul and Silas. Yes. Paul and Silas. They were after they were beaten, of course, and then they're singing and praying and the whole place shakes. And I hope I hope that especially those who are listening from our church body in Blanchester Elevation Community Church are starting to get antsy and just get excited because we're reading through Acts Mm -hmm. just in five days. We're reading five chapters a day. And this is just starting to come to life. Yeah. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the key. And and we invite whole families. Listen, uh, guys, all of you that are listening to this, your children need to learn how 
to pray. The only way they're going to learn how to pray is if they see mom and dad model it, not only at home before they go to bed, okay, a 30 second to two minute prayer time, which is precious and beautiful, but in the house of God, in the house of God, walking, praying, seeking the Lord, that's where they learn how to pray, okay? Now, Acts chapter 12, I believe it is, as they're reading this, you know the Bible says that Herod killed James. This is huge. This is one of the three, Peter, James, and John. Herod kills him, all right? And then he saw how it pleased the people, so he arrests Peter. And in, in Acts chapter 12, I believe it is, where it says, and then great prayer was made for the apostle Peter. Yep. The only thing that's different is there, there wasn't a note that great prayer was made for James, one of Jesus's disciples, one of the inner circle. Mm. But, okay, I tell people all the time, I believe that James' life could have been spared if the church had prayed for him. But no, there's no mention that anybody prayed for him. They probably said, well, God's got him. He's one of God's favorites. Nothing bad's going to happen to him. But Herod killed him. And then they said- Desperation. Yeah. Then they Peter's arrested and it says great prayer was made by the church for Peter. And then he said the angelic visitation and was released. There's a lot of things happening in our communities and churches that are a direct result of prayerlessness. Not the devil doing what he does, but prayerlessness. And if we prayed more, we would see things in the dark realm come to a halt or lose momentum. Wow. It's the most important thing we do, Pastor. And, and, and I just want to encourage elevation. I want to encourage you guys. You're going to have to discipline and make the time that whenever there's a corporate prayer meeting, get to the house of God. Get there. Get there. It's the most important hour of the week. And then you will see God's healing power manifest in your church services. And brother, since uh, about three years ago, we have just kept the doors open on Wednesday nights of our church from 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. A lot of the time, people are either walking, sitting, praying, soaking. There are times, too, where we just feel the, the Holy Spirit to gather together and just pray. I would love to see families come. Families are welcome. Walk your children around. Go to the altar, take communion. Yeah, this this definitely hits home to me where, where I'm at right now and wanting to see God move in only a way that he can do. Nothing will bring a pastor more frustration than to call your people to prayer. And, and, and it's not like people don't know we need to, but yet life, you know, busyness, you know, the struggles of life, they'll say, well, I can't make it. I, I understand that. But it's a high level of frustration because we know that he even says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, we know that this is the key component for revival, awakening, and a move of God. So I just release, I release upon every individual right now that's listening to this, that there will be a stirring in your heart. Don't let the devil bind you, okay? And the the strong man of prayer in your personal life, but also in the corporate life. We are a body and there's something about corporate prayer meetings that moves God, that moves him to action. So um, commit to it, be a part of it, adjust your schedule, sacrifice to get there. God will reward you. God will give you more time. God will make it up. Even if you have to miss that meal and postpone dinner from, you know, till an hour later, God will reward you. And the manifold blessings of the Lord will fall upon you and your family and this church. So, guys, let me release that upon every individual. Make this the priority of your life and God will bless you.
That is amazing. Uh, Pastor Todd, thank you so much for just spending this time with us and just pouring your heart out. I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I, I really feel the presence of the Lord, the weight of God on this. It is the most pressing issue in the body right now. Thank you so much for listening to Real Life Conversations. We pray you were encouraged and impacted by today's episode. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please email Conversations at myelevationcc.org. Again, that's Conversations at myelevationcc.org.